0: Welcome to the Holistic Trauma Healing Podcast. I am Lindsay Lockett, your host. The episodes of this podcast weave together a web of healing. The conversations shared here are created with love and the belief that awareness, curiosity, authenticity, and vulnerability are our most necessary and powerful healing tools, and they are already within each one of us. The spider's web has served as a great teacher for me. Webs are designed in such a way that the tiniest vibration in one part of the web ripples out and vibrates the entire web. Through this intricate network, every thread is connected. Nothing happens to one that doesn't somehow affect the others. Each human is a strand in the collective web. And inside of you exists the threads of body, mind, spirit, emotion, ancestry, and community that make up your web of life. It is not unlike the web of neurons in our brains or the web of the nervous system that connects each system and part of our bodies together. Everything is connected. I hope this podcast helps you get to the root of how trauma has affected every part of your existence and helps you weave a new web of life that isn't ruled by the past. Welcome back, everyone. I have a returning guest, Teresa Lear Levine here. She is an EFT, Emotional Freedom Technique practitioner and teacher. Um, She was on episodes 92 and 94 of the podcast. I will link those below in the show notes if you want to go listen to those and, um, soon to be author. So Teresa, welcome back to the show. Thanks for having me, Lindsay, especially a
1: third time. I really, I didn't expect another invitation. So I appreciate you having me.
0: Yeah, for sure. So, um, you, you have a book coming into the world, like in a matter of days, it's crazy.
1: Yeah, I don't know what we're at at this point, but whatever the time is between now and November sixth, it's it's getting shorter and shorter. Yeah, and, uh,
0: it's a roller coaster ride. It's fun. Yeah. So, what's the topic of your? I mean, I'm assuming it's about EFT.
1: It's about a lot of things. Uh, the, the book is called "Becoming More Me: Tapping Into Success, Subconscious Secrets of an ADHD Entrepreneurial Mom," and it's. It's some stories of my own. I, you know, and that's part of the vulnerability of writing, exposing things that, you know, maybe you haven't shared publicly before. Um, a lot of background about, you know, my childhood and different, you know, traumas, even mini traumas that I've been through in my life. And there's anecdotes from, you know, my, my body of client work and things. And we tie that all together through the lens of emotional freedom techniques, tapping, hypnotherapy. The chakra system and everything else and um, I also share a lot about my um, my time management and <laughs> things like that because that's a real thing for people with ADHD that are trying to uh, accomplish ambitious uh, goals and you know manifest intentions and things so yeah it's, it's a little bit of everything but I I ended up writing in a lot into the book about writing the book because the experience was so representative of the outcome Like it was just this kind of like infinity mirror that just kept coming before me of like, you know, the, the experiences that I still needed to heal and using the things that I was teaching about in the book to heal them.
0: Mm -hmm. So, okay. You brought up ADHD and writing a book. So that's my next question. Um, for people who are listening with ADHD, uh, that's what episode 94 of the podcast is about emotional freedom technique for ADHD with Teresa. So as an author and someone with ADHD and having to manage time and meet deadlines and all of that kind of stuff, like, what was that process like for you? And maybe what was the biggest thing you learned during that?
1: Well, I tried to write this book a few times. So in 2020, 2021, I had like two different times that I was like, I'm going to do this. And I created this like robust schedule for myself and all of these like self-imposed deadlines and things and I it like flopped both times (laughs) that I tried it that way because, you know, you create these like huge lists of things to do. And then I I would get behind by like a week or two and I'd just be like, fuck it. And I just like throw it aside. And then, so what I needed to do, and I, I talk about this in the book was actually, you know, it was part procrastination, which I needed to recognize. And then it was part just being able to let myself off the hook. So I remember specifically during 2021, sitting down and looking at this big list of things and it feeling like resistance, it feeling like it was this upstream thing and knowing, uh, you know, also being a law of attraction coach that nothing we want is upstream, nothing. And like, here I am like treading, paddling, trying to get there. And I, I sat down and did some EFT just on letting it go. Like, you know, even though I really do desire to write a book at some point in my lifetime, I'm open to the idea that maybe now is not the time. And you know, I accept that about myself and I'm open to see what the universe and the world want to bring me right now that is this or something better, you know. And I just I released it. I took all the, you know, the digital reminders for to-dos off my list. I took all the notes that were about to-dos off my list, and I just released it. And what ended up happening that year was that I really leaned in to podcasting and podcast guesting, you know. Um, and through that, I really fine-tuned and dialed in on what my real message was going to be and what I really wanted this book to bring through. And so then this earlier this year, when I started talking to my husband about it again, I not only realized I needed accountability and that I was going to you know hire somebody to help me through this process, that doing it alone was not going to be the way that I was going to do it best, but I also required of myself that this book be produced through the lens of pleasure mm-hmm. and not like forcing myself to do anything that I would not write a sentence of it when I was not feeling aligned or like this was an enjoyable thing because there's nothing that ever said I had to write a book. So I wasn't going to allow it to be something that was like keeping me up at night or frustrating me or anything else. Um, Mm -hmm. That's not to say that there haven't been frustrating parts of the process, but there's been a lot of consciousness and awareness around that. And you know, it was, it was very helpful. So I I knew that. And then I had this conversation with my husband back in, you know, late winter and he was all for it. You know, and I, I say it in the book, like there's nobody in my life other than like my own mom, you know, that, believes in me the way that Jeff does and Mm that just fully like no matter what it what it's been whether it was like when I came home to him with this crazy idea that I'm gonna be a EFT master practitioner after like experiencing it once at a retreat and I came home fired up and I was just like I have to do this and he was just like here babe let's let's go and that like it's reassuring and it's also like very disarming you know like when somebody has that belief in you you know like and and you know from from doing EFT work with me like there's this thing called borrowed benefits Where, you know, me as a practitioner, I luck out that I get these borrowed benefits from doing EFT with my clients and things all day. But then also as clients or people, individuals doing EFT for themselves, like we could, you could be working on your own trauma and then like maybe your sprained ankle starts feeling better or something like that. Like we have all these ways that we borrow benefits. And I feel like in my relationship with Jeff, I borrow benefits all the time. Like I I borrow his like belief in me until it
0: feels genuine in myself. I love that because so many women that I work with, like, they experience something, whether it's at a retreat or they, they go to a group coaching program or whatever. And they, they have this like aha revelatory moment where something just clicks and it makes sense and it resonates with them on a deep level. And it prompts them to want to learn more about that and maybe like practice that themselves and maybe even make money doing that and helping other people. And then they present it to their partner and their partner is just like very resistant, not encouraging, um, like gets caught up in the details of like well how are we going to pay for you to do that and what if you don't make money and how are you how are you going to have a website and like they get caught up in all the technical things which is really just their own resistance right but um so i love that you have that experience with jeff and i have the same thing with david like i i could be like look i brought home a herd of camels and david would be like well that's inconvenient but i'll start building a fence like you know
1: <laughs> what do they eat yeah
0: <laughs> yeah he'll immediately like go on youtube and start learning everything he can about camels because he's just so supportive um so i think that's really beautiful and and thank you yeah. for sharing that um
1: i was sharing with my husband the other day about you know you had done that whole post about like how you water your plants and you use like the menstrual blood and stuff and i was like this is fascinating i wish i knew about this when i was younger and i was i was sharing with him how you had like, you know, asked the the questions, all the crazy questions that people had asked of you to David. And, um, you know, he could just really relate to the part of like, you know, that's just life with Lindsay kind of thing. And I think for him, it's like, that's just life with Teresa. Yeah. You, know, you just never really know what's coming, but I'm, I'm all yeah. in and I'm ready for it.
0: Yeah. She keeps but, my life interesting, like, right? Oh, like life definitely. is never boring um, yeah. at your house and, or and here's at mine. thing, when you
1: have a supportive partner, because I mean, it, you can still get a great outcome, whether you do or you don't, but like when you have a supportive of partner in that way then that leaves all of like what I call the head butting all those like butts like you were saying you know but how are we going to pay for this but what if it fails but all these things that leaves that on me so I would still Mm. find myself in the position of like after kind of like oh I signed up to be an EFT master practitioner and then all those butts start coming in and that's exactly what I've learned this work to figure out how to combat you know
0: yeah but it's like it's already hard enough when all those butts are in your own head, but when they're coming right. at you from like the most yes. important person in your life, that, yeah. that can feel really defeating, right? And it's like, why, why even try? Why even start when everything is against me to begin with? When right. really you already have enough resistance in your own head, you don't need it from someone else.
1: Yeah. And it just makes me all the more able to express them to him because I know he's open. I know he understands. I know, you know, it's going to make sense to him when I'm having those, those doubts or those anxieties or whatever else come up. And then he's ready to receive them with the same, you know, belief in me that he had on day one.
0: Yeah. Oh, that's so beautiful. I love it. So you mentioned earlier, whenever you were talking about this whole process about um, taking all the deadlines off the calendar and basically just like holding your your book out to the universe and just being like I can let this go like I can surrender this and this is a topic that gets brought up a lot in my space is this idea of surrender and so many people their assumption is that if I let go of something or if I surrender something it means that I'm just like giving up and I'm um, I'm you know quitting <laughs> basically like I'm not going to meet my goal if like they don't see how, taking the deadlines off the calendar and like giving it to the universe and being like, nobody says I have to write this book. Like, this is something that I desire to do, but it's not like I must do this thing. And for so many of us, like our desire is is really what, I mean, it's what drives me in my life. It's like, if something is not fueled by desire for me, like it can go fuck itself because I'm not interested. <laughs> if it feels like a chore, if it feels like I an obligation or a have to, like no, thank you. Um, I'm here for like desire and following my desire and trusting that. And so like writing a book or starting a business or um, homeschooling your kids or like whatever it is that you people desire to do when it doesn't happen, when they think it should happen or how they think it should happen or whatever, they're like, they want to give up. But then there's a difference, I think. I'm curious what your process is for this. It's like, what's the difference between just surrendering something and letting go to the universe and not forcing versus quitting and giving up.
1: It's your own like energetic management of the procrastination and the resistance. Mm, It's more. So the, the procrastination and the resistance, they feel like that fight upstream and surrender feels like allowing that pressure to come off of yourself and to be able to slow down, to have that, you know, that slowness of the nervous system that feels so good, that feel like us grounded and everything else. And to be able to have the slowness that allows us to get the traction so that if we do actually want to, you know, fuel that desire or have momentum again, we can speed back up again and and do the thing. And then if we don't. We know and we can accept that we're okay right where we are doing whatever it is that we are and that, you know, that thing will happen at another time. And what happened for me when I let go of it was that it was like this huge, it was like expansiveness. I could feel that resistance going away. And then from that place, all the possibilities came to me. You know, the clients I needed to learn from so that I knew better what I wanted to write about, the opportunities to talk to different people and dial in on things, knowing what I really wanted to come from this experience and being able to have it happen in a way that felt really good. If I'd actually pushed on, I think in 2021, the last time I tried to just do it, I think it would have been a wreck. Mm. Like, I just don't think it would have been aligned or felt good. And it really felt good this time. You know, I... I knew that I mean and by deciding to do it this year I did have to recommit to things like deadlines and also those deadlines got changed a heck of a lot of times probably much to the dismay of those I was working with but you know I had to honor that and I had to keep coming back and letting the people know that I was working with that I was doing this through the lens of pleasure and that you know this deadlines not pleasurable and I do not care whether I released my book in August or September or October. Now it's
0: November. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So then that, get, I mean, so much of what you're saying is stuff that I deal with, with clients and students on a daily basis is it's like, okay, but um, what's it like to tell people this deadline doesn't feel pleasurable for me? Because I know what immediately came up for me Pardon. whenever you said that is like, well, this isn't pleasing to those people. Like I have to do what they say because they're the experts and I'm not. The publisher is the expert, not me. So what what was it like for you? And also what kind of responses did you get from people whenever you're like, this deadline doesn't feel pleasurable for me. I don't actually care when the book gets released.
1: Yeah. I mean, I was working with a lot of other people that were also writing books at the same time and none of us actually made the original deadline. You know, sure. I think it was just crazy to expect that we were gonna write and finish a book and I mean, the actual writing part was only going to supposedly be four weeks. Whoa. Yeah. Fucking short period of time. (laughs) There was a lot of work leading up to that, outlining, being intentional, understanding. But go time for that four weeks of writing was the beginning of summer. And I've got four boys. And like summer is already, for me, less regimented and less routine, which is awesome on so many levels, but not when you're trying to bust out a huge project. So I needed, I needed until the beginning of August, you know, I needed like double the time to write. And then, you know, the last few months have been all the, you know, editing and formatting and book cover design and all sorts of other things that happen after that. So, you know, it's it's some, some delays have happened on the side of the people that are doing that work. Some delays have happened on my side. I've just tried to be as gracious as I can be when the delays are not my own, because I know I'm causing a lot of them too. (laughs)
0: Sure. And what does it mean for you whenever you say this process is going to be pleasurable? So that meant like when I would
1: when I would write, knowing that for me with this, you know, robust life I live, sometimes I knew I'd only have a half an hour to write. Sometimes I might have two or three hours to write. I rarely had more than that. I didn't like, I had this vision in my mind of like Walden and just like, you know, like these long days where I would just write and You're just- the row, row in
0: your cabin and, in the woods.
1: You know, I'll just think about things. And we did actually rent an awesome Airbnb this summer up in Cape Cod. And that for a week was my Walden, but we were on vacation with the kids. So it was still like, I had a half an hour in the morning when I would write and look at the pond and, you know, it was beautiful. But yeah, I mean- It just meant that when I picked up my laptop to write, or I picked up my notepad, depending on how I wanted to write that day, um, that I was intentional and that I was feeling in a good state to write what I wanted to. That I wasn't like having that like chaotic, frenetic energy of like I got to do this, I got to do this. Like if I needed to tap, if I needed to breathe, if I needed to do a little yoga nidra or something like that beforehand, light some candles, you know, diffuse some essential oils, whatever it was that got me into that place of like this is my book writing space, Mm -hmm. then. That's what it was, and then if it started to get you know too much, I mean, there was times when I was writing a lot of words. and one day I busted out over thirty thousand words.
0: Oh my gosh! Uh,
1: and I my wrist hurt for like a week, <laughs> but that day <dead>, all <laughs> <well>, really aligned. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, and it was just also like celebrating, making sure that like, and my kids held me accountable to that. It's like, oh, you know, you got your first draft done, mom, we're going out for ice cream or, you know, what are we doing to celebrate? Are you going to take a day off and, you know, just celebrate that you've done this much? I'm like, yeah, hell yeah, I am, you know, because who
0: else is going to do it for me? Right. Yeah, that's so important to celebrate even those little little wins. And I've not traditionally been great at that. Same. (laughs) Usually, like, okay, first hey, done. What's next? Give it to me. Like, nah. <laughs> where don't... do you think that comes from for us? Where it's like, oh, look, we did this huge thing that is worthy of celebration and pause and rest, but we're just going to keep pushing through to the next thing. Where do you think that comes from? <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, I know for me, like, my mom's much the same way. She doesn't really pause to like appreciate and celebrate herself. And she's a hard worker and, you know, just kind of grit and get through it. I don't know. I'm just sure there's some part of me trying to prove myself to. Either myself or who knows, my inner child trying to prove something to my parents or something. But yeah, it's
0: a, uh, it's something I'm a lot more conscious of. Mm, yeah. Well, that's. I mean, that's the ninety percent of the work, right there, is just being aware <laughs> that you're doing it right. Yeah,
1: and that's a lot of um, message in my book is about how you know elevated consciousness and elevated awareness really can change everything
0: for us. Totally. Yeah. Totally. So, I mean, can you say more about that? Like, what was your process of of explaining or because I feel like sometimes awareness is this very nebulous, hazy topic to some people. And they're just like, and, and I understand why. Like it's a it's an abstract concept. It's not something that you can like define in the dictionary or put your finger on, right? It's something that I say awareness is like a muscle. And it's it's right. like when you first start using it, it feels weak and it feels awkward and funky. But then after a while the muscle gets stronger and you stretch it a little bit and then you're able to do it more. And Um, so it's like a muscle in that way. So I'm curious, like, what was it like for you to write about higher consciousness and awareness? Um, I'm always curious about that with people because I find it, it's something I love talking about, but I often struggle to put it in words that people can really like hold on to. And I think that a
1: lot of it came through sharing my own stories. I mean, I'm sure there were times, plenty of times throughout my life when I've experienced awareness, I didn't notice it. I wasn't aware of my awareness until I really started like doing nervous system regulation and things like that. That really brought my awareness forward. And then as I was able to start kind of like looking over my past again, and I share about this kind of like shit storm of events that happened from like, you know, after high school through my early 20s, like where, you know, and that's where a lot of like my blockages and things came from. I had these, you know, car accidents that, you know, left me, I I was, you know, working full time and going to college and I was, you know, aspiring to all these different things and kind of felt like I was on this like great track. And then I have this car accident, which barely messes up my car, but causes well over six figures worth of damage to me. And, you know, puts me on disability. And that'll fuck with your head because then all of a sudden you're getting paid to be hurt. And then healing is a problem because then you lose the only support that you have. And, you know, there's a whole shitstorm of stuff that happens there. And from that kind of like energetically not awesome space of like, you know, taking the medications that was prescribed because doctors know best. Right. And. um (laughs) (laughs) And, uh, you know, I was young. I didn't know. I was like, okay. And, you know, they didn't know what was going on. I was, I was dizzy. I was nauseous. I had ulcers. I had herniated discs. I had migraines. I had all these different symptoms and things. And they're like, oh, we'll just call it fibromyalgia. And, um, you know, we'll medicate. And
0: (sighs) you got fibromyalgia from a car wreck. Yes. Right. (laughs) I I even knew
1: enough at 20 years old to know, like, um, this doesn't make sense. But yeah this is what we're calling it. Cause we don't know what to call it. And, um, yeah, so that really messed with me, you know, it, and you know, that was during that time was also the first time that my dad and I had stopped speaking to each other. And I don't remember the conversation completely, but I do remember being on the phone, some kind of argument about money or taxes or whatever, and him being upset that I wasn't able to go to college and that I wasn't working at the time. Like I finished out my classes, but I couldn't sign up for another semester. I was like, not physically well enough to do it. And, you know, and then he, he wasn't talking to me and it was like, gosh, you know, it it made me feel like if something changes in me or in my life, then I might be abandoned or, you know, I might lose the love of somebody whose love shouldn't be questionable, you know? And so that messed with me. And then I met my, my first husband, you know, from this really low place of like, well, you know, I guess if this is, (laughs) this is it, you know? And, you know, I, I talk about how, like, even like up to like the day before the wedding, my mom was like, "You know, if you don't want to go through with this, you don't have to." And the people pleasing part of me was like, "There's no option." You know, people have come to my wedding shower, they've bought me gifts, they've booked plane tickets to be here, and my first wedding happened the same week of nine eleven, and so there was already this like heavy energy that, you know, and a lot of people couldn't make it. Planes, we my. Flight for my honeymoon was like one of the first flights that got opened back up right wow. after I got married. But um this this heavy energy was there that I think for me, if 9-11 hadn't happened, would have still been there. But the 9-11 energy confused it all for me,
0: mm-hmm. you know,
1: because it was like everybody kind of had that heavy energy. It wasn't just me being like, What am I doing? You know, and feeling like I betrayed myself. So mm. I share a lot of that in the in the book and I share none of it's, you know, throwing anybody under the bus who I'm bringing into the stories. It's all about my own awareness about those things and being able to see now through this lens, like what I was going through and to go back and heal that and to also give so much love to that version of me that was doing the best she knew how to given the circumstances like I mean she was a warrior she was a survivor she figured things out as she went along with little information and um and she was the reason that I get to become more me now so you know that's where I think the awareness really comes in is like when you get into this place now that you know in present time I have a lot of awareness about present day stuff about past stuff all that but it it kind of just comes to you in these waves and you kind of like are able to kind of touch up things that happened before and change the narrative. Yeah.
0: I think, um, I'm just sounds so old when I say this, but I think that's also one of the gifts of age, (laughs) right? It's like, I didn't have that wisdom when I was 20 because no one does literally. And you're just doing the best you can. Um, but I feel like I sound really old whenever I say No,
1: that. not at all. <laughs> I feel like I said something that made you cry.
0: No, 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 no. I'm just like, <laughs> as you're talking, I'm like, yeah, I feel the same way that that version of Lindsay was just doing the best she could. And like, and she didn't know better. And now she knows better. And a lot of that has to do with, sure, awareness and nervous system regulation and curiosity and the ability to look at myself unobjectively and just be like, oh, shit, I'm doing yeah. this thing. But a lot of that happens with age too, right? Is like you, right. you just come. No, you didn't say anything that would make me think that at all. Um, so the metaphor that I like to use for like the nervous system and awareness is that the nervous system is like a radio antenna, mm-hmm. and it's like constantly picking up frequencies of of everything. Right? It's like the. It's like it's like the. back in the nineties, whenever we used to have the, those big TV antennas that came out of our houses, you know, and foil on our TVs to pick up the signal is like, it's just picking up signals from everywhere. And some of those signals feel really good. And some of those signals don't feel very good. And some of them resonate and some of them don't resonate. And, but when the nervous system is like regulated, the signal that can come through is really clear and clean. Yeah. and like it's it's easy to see and hear, and it it resonates, and you're intuitive about it and yeah, like I intuition, yeah, it definitely raises intuition, but then when the nervous system is like chronically dysregulated, it's like all you get is like static or or you know how in the old cars, like we used to turn the radio dial to like find the station, but In between, you got a lot of like, (laughs)
1: you
0: know, like that's what it's like to have a dysregulated nervous system is it's just like, you can't find the clarity of, of the signal and it, it locks your intuition or it feels really difficult to access your intuition. Um, I
1: always like to say like with EFT for me, it feels like when I start doing around, it's like I'm at this concert that I really wanted to go to. I'm excited to be there and I've got front row seats and yet, I feel unsafe because literally everybody is right there or, or behind me. And, you know, what if they charge the stage? What if somebody's crowd surfing? Like all these different things going on. And then, as I regulate my nervous system through that practice, it's like I just got seats in the presidential suite. And now, like, I can see everything. It's all right before me. I still have a great view. I have a new perspective, and I feel totally like safe and calm and clear and just like ready for whatever's coming.
0: Yeah. I love that. So in the process of writing the book, did you ever become like really dysregulated or really triggered in, in some moments and you had to work through that?
1: Yeah. You know, what was really hard was, it's going to sound so stupid because it's a book and people are going to read it. Right. But it was actually coming to terms with the fact that people are going to read it. I bet. (laughs) You know, and it sounds so stupid to say it out loud, but like the hardest thing I think was handing over the first draft for my husband to read it. Cause ah. he's, he's the first and it didn't till right now, the only person that's, that's read it other than people who have edited it. And I really don't know how much people edit and actually read. <laughs> like if yeah. that makes sense, but I just feel like it's just more like a grammatical thing than like a taking in the stories. Um, yeah. That was actually really hard. And it was just kind of like, you know, what's he thinking? Like, and yeah. he doesn't, doesn't like judge or give a ton of feedback and stuff. So it's just like, you know, are you cool with this? Like, I feel like I shared a lot in the book, but I didn't share like things that I think would be offensive to the people I shared them about. Mm. Um, and yeah, you know, I, I guess part of me did that on purpose. And part of me is like, there's just more places I can go if I write a next book, you know, um, I don't know if people are ready for the whole kit and caboodle yet, but, you know, I did, I brought in stuff about our marriage and like the way that it was really stressed out seven years ago and things like that. And what a difference it is now. And even I brought in stuff about, you know, while, while I was writing the book, um, and because I wanted to do it through the lens of pleasure, I signed up for like things so that you know I'd be bringing more pleasure into my life, so that I'd be steeping in that and bringing that energy in. I was in like Mama Gina's pleasure boot camp and like rocking it out every week in that, and you know just all the things. And like our sex life exploded during writing the book. <laughs> like yeah. it was it was already great, and it, like it boom, but like pleasure backlash. <laughs> you Ooh. know, like there was definite like things are going great, things are going great. And then like you hit this wall where like, you know, even though things are amazing, it is not familiar. It is not comfortable. And it was hard for a week. It was only a week. Like, and this is the part that I love because like what, like the kind of wall that we hit, like old me, 10 years ago, me, 15 years ago, me. um, And my husband and I just celebrated our 15th anniversary yesterday. But like the me from then, this could have been a month, a year, uh, just weird stagnation that lasted for a very long time. But like, yeah, with all these different tools and practices and like, you know, living it, you know, book writing forced me to not to walk my walk and talk my talk, you know, more than even usual. And it was like a week we figured our shit out and like back to awesome again. But like, yeah, it was,
0: it was hard. Yeah. Sometimes expansion feels like contraction. Mm <laughs> hmm.
1: <laughs> yes. But like, you know, much like I always like make my clients promise that they're not going to resist their own expansion, because it's not uncommon when I work with people for them to be going through a divorce or decide to split up with somebody during it Same. or have a major career change or move or there's some weird big stuff going on. Yep. I was not willing to resist my own either. And I just kept noticing every time that I felt like I was resisting, you know, showing up big.
0: Yeah. Yeah, exactly the same thing happens with my clients. They go through a big move. They quit a job. They lose a job. They split up with someone. Mm-hmm. They get together with someone. Like, they have really big life things that happen. Same.
1: Yeah, it's cool. It's just part of being human, you know? But Yeah, it is. Book writing put me under that same that magnifying glass of making sure I was being very conscious of
0: all of those things. Yeah.
1: And So are you at all it-
0: worried if, like, your mom or your dad reads the book or no, your ex-husband? I mean- or?
1: No, I'm not, because I don't feel like any of it is is trying to make them appear in a negative way. It's more like how I processed these situations or how I showed up, you know? I mean, maybe it would be hurtful if my ex read it to realize that, like, it didn't feel aligned for me from the beginning, but it shouldn't really be a surprise at this point. <laughs> like sure. You know, and, you know, I've talked to my mom about things, you know, she, she had asked me... um, as I was writing it, you know, oh, are there gonna be stories in there? Are they going to be anonymous or whatever? I'm like, you know, some things, you know, are, are more anonymous, but you know, when you're talking about your own family, people kind of connect the dots of like who your mom sure. is or who your dad is <laughs> or whatever else. And she's like, oh yeah, I didn't really think about that. And I was like, if you want to read it in advance, mom, you can. And she's like, no, no, she's, she's very, like aware in the fact that she's like, you know, even if I read it and your story didn't match what I thought my story was, she's like, it doesn't matter because that's your story. And this book Mm -hmm. is about you writing your story. So she's like, even if I, she's like, I'm curious to read it. And I'm curious to hear your perspective. And and she's even, you know, she's always funny about her memory. She's like, you probably remember it better than I do anyway. So (laughs) whatever. But you know, I, I didn't really, I talked about my parents' money beliefs a bit, you know, which I don't think either of them would be irritated about. And, um, you know, unfortunately my father and I have been estranged for almost the last seven years anyway. So, you know, if he wants to read it, whatever.
0: (laughs) Yeah. 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 I'm, I'm currently working on, have been for a few years now, a book. And, um, it's interesting when you were talking about the procrastination and the deadlines and all of that, I've never put deadlines on myself, but I just go through spurts where like, all I want to do is write, 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 write. And then I go through, very extended periods of time where I don't touch it. I don't look at right. it. And then I go back and I pick it up again and I write, 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 write. And then I don't touch it for a while. Yeah. And I went through one of those spurts of writing um, back at, let's see, I guess it was the end of September. And um, I ended up writing within two days. I ended up writing like thirty-eight pages in a Google Doc, size 11 font, single spacing, like, <laughs> uh, like Six single lines. Words. You know? Yeah, yeah. Like like my like, big in, mega day. <laughs> yeah, it was. It was a big. It was a big weekend. It was over a weekend. It was a big weekend. Um, and as I like, I went back and I reread some parts, and I was just like, God damn! Like, this is heavy because I do share like really nitty gritty details of my story because those I feel are necessary to make sense of the work I do now. Like if people understand that about me, then they can see the work that I do now and go, Oh, that makes sense. That's how I feel about the things I shared. Yeah. And, (laughs) and there's really no way for me to like make it anonymous. And I was, I was like sitting with that. Like, how would I feel if my mom read this? How would I feel if my stepdad read this? Like, what would that be like? And I just had this sadness in my heart because I know that if my mom were to read that, like her story would be like, well, you had it better than I did, you know, or like, um, you know, I was doing the best I could, like kind of that, that victim story and, and not wanting to really feel whatever guilt or shame she has about not being adequate or whatever. So yeah. I'm always really curious when people tell their, their story in depth, like, how do you feel about these people reading these things about themselves? And like, how do you feel about the, you know, my mom and I don't have a relationship right now and haven't for a year. Um, and I don't know what that's going to be. It doesn't mean like that you don't future. have a
1: relationship. It just means that you haven't talked to each other.
0: We haven't talked to each other. Yeah. We've been no contact for a year and, and right now I'm okay, okay. with that. But yeah, just. And then I also had the question as I was writing these 38 pages of really heavy life stuff is just like, oh my gosh, are people going to just totally lose interest in this because it's so oh, heavy yeah. after 10 life, pages. I had those doubts too. I'm like, do people actually want to read this? Like, is yeah. this interesting?
1: <laughs> and then also like the comparative lens. And I talk about this too, because like so often we either don't share things or we don't allow ourselves to process our emotions because somebody has it worse it's the whole story Mm. like when my grandparents used to come watch me when I was a kid and I wasn't finishing my food on my plate and I'd get the whole like but people are starving in Ethiopia you know and it's like well but I don't really want to eat the food you know and it's like and I'm like six or seven and I'm like I don't know how to get food to Ethiopia help me out here like I don't know how to help these people and I didn't even know there was a problem until right now and now I feel guilty and all these other things and I'm shoving the food in to eat it because you know you're upset with me and I'm irritated with you and like all this stuff but because the people in Ethiopia had it worse with the food situation I didn't feel like I got to express any of it. yeah so same. you know I had that parents a lot thing. as I was writing because I'm like you know I- I've lived a very blessed life you know it's not like I've had any like super major like big time crazy traumas
0: but I, I also have had a car accident that did six figures worth of damage <laughs> yeah but I mean like could have been worse, right like that's, that's where we go, you know like I'm here,
1: I'm good, I'm you know, I'm fine, I got through my divorce, I got through that like you know things could be so much worse, so then you start writing it, and you start going, gosh, are people gonna think like you know who are you to tell these stories because you know you don't have this like crazy story, you just have your story and from there, yeah. I tell have to go, my story is good enough. My story has something to share. And I already know from all the people that I've worked with and all the ways that I've shared that people relate to this and it resonates with them and that the other ADHD or even just plain distracted, because we all are distracted these days, entrepreneurial women of the world will hopefully appreciate it.
0: Yeah. So is Becoming More Me, is it a like part autobiography, part teaching book? Is it like, yeah? what, what exactly kind of book is it? Yeah, I would
1: say because I mean, it's, it's really calling those people into the space and sharing, you know, the way my story, I mean, I really do trust that the right people reading this book are connecting the dots, you know, that they can take in a story or an anecdote and understand, ah, So she did it this way. And even though I don't work in that same line of work, or even though I don't have that same kind of relationship, this is exactly how it applies to my life. Really making it like relatable and sharing like how I worked through each of those things too with the same things that I use, you know, to help my clients sharing some different anecdotes from my body of client work. And also like sharing, like teaching people about like what EFT is. There's also like the book has an entire like bonus resource section. So the chapters that have um, different topics, like, you know, money blocks, there'll be a round of EFT that you can do, which if you're, you know, listening to the audio book is, you know, Directed So that you can do it call and answer style. If you're, you know, reading the book, you can scan a QR code and do it along with me in a video. There's hypnosis audio, I have included all of my time management and planning resources, like planning sheets and all the ways that I kind of manage my time as the bonus resources. I've included like just so many different like little extras and um, there's lots of different like tapping rounds in the book too. Like when we're talking about procrastination, there's stuff for that. There's stuff for, you know, our resistance to slowing down and getting grounded and and stuff like that too. That sounds amazing. That sounds like incredibly generous. I hope so. But it's funny, you know, like when you when you start writing something like this, like you start thinking about things like I, I start thinking about like people like you and other people who like, you know, I've either worked with or who are, whose work I respect and you in your case, it's both and stuff like that. And I'm like, you know, what are these people going to think as they read this or like, you know, is this like, is it too basic? Is it too advanced? Like I wanted to make sure that my first book was something that like anybody could pick up, read and understand. Yeah, like I didn't want to go like too crazy, like deep into this. Well, I'm
0: totally gonna read it, and I'm totally not gonna be like scrutinizing it through the lens of like, oh, she's not saying enough, and this is basic. <laughs> Definitely not. I'm probably gonna be reading it through the lens of like play by
1: play, what goes on in my head.
0: Yeah, well, the story of what's going on in your head is like almost always worse than what's happening in real life, right? I'm probably gonna be reading it through the lens of like oh my gosh, how do I put QR codes of videos in my book? Like, that's probably what I'm (laughs) going to be doing. happy to impart any wisdom I may have accumulated on this journey at any point. So I've had so
1: much fun over this journey. Like, it's been really interesting, the people that have ended up in my podcast space. I've gotten so many authors, like, without even trying, you know, we call in what we're looking for. And I've loved picking everybody's brains about, like, either, like, their writing process or their marketing process or all these different things. It's just kind of been, you know, what's going on right now. And it's it's been it's been fun. I I liked writing, and I also like because the book's been done since August, essentially as far as the writing's concerned. There's part of me that's like, oh, it's like old already. You know? Ooh, <laughs> like, can we just get it out yeah. already? You know, like, I just I'm I'm ready to get this out so that I can you know share new things that are happening in my head.
0: Yeah, are you planning on writing another book at some point? It could definitely happen, but it
1: will happen in a somewhat different way. You know, I'll take what I learned on this adventure and make it even more pleasurable next time. Yeah,
0: I love that. Okay, so tell us the the details of the book release and where people can find it.
1: Sure. So the book's going to be on Amazon. We are doing an awesome like, digital release, Kindle. And I'm just going to preface this by saying, because a lot of people are like, oh, but I don't have a Kindle. You don't need a Kindle to read Kindle books. All you need is a phone, a computer, whatever. That release is going to be November the 6th, it's a Monday. And on that day only, it's going to be 99 cents. So yeah. awesome time to pick it up for practically free, and um, you know I appreciate the support. I've learned a lot about this whole Amazon thing and algorithms and marketing, and that day is actually super important to me as an author, as far as getting certain status, which don't mean a whole lot. But gosh darn it, I've written the book, I put in the effort into it, and I really would love that bestseller little sticker by my name, you know that little accomplishment. So that's what I'm going for on the sixth, and then on eleven eleven because I love my repeating numbers. That is when audible and paperback will launch so you know i'm just getting excited for both and uh there's a lot of work to do
0: <laughs> so november 6th kindle version for 99 cents and people i know you can use a kindle app on a phone or an ipad or yep. you can use it on your computer if you don't you have can a even kindle. read them right on like a web browser okay and then on 11 is paperback and audible version yes and, and all because of this is we're still a little bit far out. I don't yet have the links while we're recording, but I will make sure you have
1: the exact link for that as it gets closer. But okay. obviously it's on Amazon. And if you search Teresa Lear Levine, becoming more me, I'm sure you will find it. For sure.
0: Yeah. Anything else you want to share about your book or yourself or?
1: <sighs> I'm just excited for this to, to get out into the world and just share it with people and to Kind of put the check mark next to uh, this becoming an author journey that, you know, it, it's been, God, I started it in March this year. So I yeah. thought I'd be. That's really done. fast, by the way. It is really March, fast. March, November? Yeah. I said That's if I sad. ever do it again, I won't do it in less than nine months because some okay. of it did feel a little bit rushed. But yeah, I'm just I'm just excited for this chapter to, to, you know, be culminating and to be getting ready to, you know, I'm launching a whole new like um, hybrid program as a result of the book launch. And I'm just so excited to, like, meet all the new people that are going to be coming into the space and doing this work, because that's what really lights me up. That's the whole reason. Yeah.
0: It. Yeah, for sure. It's the people that I love the most about what I do yeah
1: absolutely. And you know it's it's things like book writing and, and talking on podcasts and things that allow us to to get to do more of like what I really love, and that's the relationships I get to have with people that I get to work with and really get to know their stories and um, help them kind of unravel things and put them back together in a way that they like better.:
0: Yeah, for sure, I like that. Take it apart, and put it back together in a way you like better. <laughs> I love that. Well, we will have links to you and to the book um, in the show notes below. Thank you so much for coming back on the podcast for your third episode. Thank you so much for having
1: me, Lindsay. I appreciate you,
0: friend. Thank you so much for listening all the way to the end of this episode stay in touch with me by joining my email list at lindsaylockett.com forward slash email. And feel free to follow along on Instagram at I am Lockett. Finally, you can check out all of my offerings, including courses, private coaching, and workshops on my website at lindsaylockett.com.